Blog Talk Radio. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Good evening, America. Today is September the 1st, 2013, and I want to start out by apologizing to you that uh, we had a delay. This program was supposed to start at 8.30. That had nothing at all to do with our team, my producers, or our program. As you know, the minute that they invented technology, that there was going to be a problem. So, it's uh, 8 p.m., and we're going to have the show. Our guests are definitely uh, in-house with us this evening. But before I bring them on, I want to first give you the opportunity to contact people that you love to get folks on or in earshot of what we're going to discuss. This is a very, very serious subject. Uh, if they can't listen by computer, they can call us at 646-478-5610. In the event that they can't get to a phone and call in, you can always go back to this program and listen to the archive. What I'd like for you to do tonight is before I get started, I want you to go get a pen, get a piece of paper, because you may save someone's life, including your own. As we know, um, this is a holiday weekend, and most people are out doing whatever. They're barbecuing. They're having a lot of fun, but that's not all of us. Unfortunately, there's someone, and it could be you or someone that you love, that is sitting in a room right now, curled up in a ball, and feeling not alone but lonely. They don't care. And as a matter of fact, you don't know it because depression is something that no one likes to share. It is a big secret, and I'm going to make a confession to you, America. I'm going to make a confession to you, Australia, to the U.K. and the islands that are listening to this program. Yours truly, I have an issue with depression. Now, what causes it? And and I'm going to get into that, but... Tonight, rather than giving all of this attention to the causes of depression, what we're really going to focus on is the solutions uh, because there is a way out. One thing I want to let, especially anyone that's listening to this show, that feels like that there is no help out there, that they're, uh, they're trapped because they don't have insurance or they can't uh, go and get the medication that they need. They don't have the resources when I'm when we're finished with this program this evening, we hopefully will have informed and educated you enough to know that that is a bunch of bull, that you do not have to feel that you are being held hostage by this situation. 
Now, before I go any further, I want to address some things that most of us never think about. Did you know that 2% of children, and, and this is just the United States, and I can imagine in, in countries where uh, as we spoiled Americans take so much for granted that we have clean water to drink and that we can go and get a meal for 2 or $3 and all of this stuff, we don't, um, you, know, you know, there's more to depression than, you know, being someone that is sitting back going, woe is me, because there, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. Kids as young as four, five, six years old can become depressed. How do you know they're depressed? And someone, and I know a lot of people would ask me, well, Dr. Young, how can you tell if a kid is depressed? Number one, children pick up behavior from their parents. They pick up behavior from their caregivers. They pick up behavior from, the, uh, from just the environment that they're in. So if you're sitting there, and, and you're depressed and, and you are upset about life, do not think for one minute that that is just unique unto you, and especially if you have a small child. I'm going to give you an example of this. When there is disharmony, and pay attention to the word harmony, because I'm going to associate it with a, with a piano. If you are near uh, or go to a piano store, there's going to be this weird effect. Go and hit a C major chord on a piano, and watch what happens to the other pianos that are in that room. They are going to resonate with that same C chord, even though you didn't hit it on that piano. And that's the same way that uh, people end up resonating off each other's behavior. Well, I'm, I'm going to give some more examples of this. And, and I know that when you saw the blurb, and you know, I, I'm going to talk about that young actor that committed suicide, and, and we're going to really... Uh, just go all in on this subject tonight, but I, I want to educate you because if I don't educate you, you're not going to really appreciate nor grasp the uh, full impact of Lee Thompson, Young's death, or any or the things that are going on in your life. So getting back to this residence, when you are working somewhere and your boss is a jerk and yelling at you, you're married to a man or a woman, that is always yelling and berating you or you just happen to be berating yourself, this stuff is contagious, and I'm going to show you some examples of this. And teenage girls, you will notice that they're not just hormonally vulnerable. They, when you see them crying and tears, or if they verbally acknowledge that, you know what, my life sucks, I hate you, I hate this family, I hate myself, she's depressed. When you find that these kids, preteens, are sleeping a lot or they're withdrawn or they start making self-deprecating statements about I'm no good, nobody likes me, that's a sign that your teenager is depressed. Now, depression is revealed in changes in about four different areas. The first place that you're going to see depression is in mood. The second place that you will witness depression is in your thinking. The next place is in your behavior. The next place is in relationships with others. Now, I'm going to repeat this, and that's why I had you get the pen, because you must be, to be forearmed is to be forewarned. So I want you to write this down. When you see signs and changes in a person's mood and their thinking, 
in their behavior or in their relationships with others, that is the first indicator that uh, depression is present. Now, here are the most obvious signs that depression is taking over someone's life. When you see someone constantly in a sad, down, dejected, or empty mood, or they can come across as being flat or indifferent. Often, they may seem like they just don't care that they've given up, that they've given up hope. People who are depressed have difficulty even thinking or concentrating. So maybe you can't spot it in someone else. But if it's in you, you can see that, you know what, man, I haven't been able to really just wrap my head around something you know, your spouse asks you for a sandwich and you say something like, go make your own damn sandwich. I mean, you know, when you start finding yourself really being irritated, that's another sign. Or, But the biggest uh, couple, and these are really red flags. I mean, I'm going to give you yellow flags, but some red flags are when it appears that you have given up hope or you figure that you see yourself as being worthless or you are extremely self-critical. You start blaming yourself, even for the crap somebody else did. You start um, taking responsibility, and, and let's say you start even going so far as to blame yourself for how stuff is going in the world around you. Now, all of this stuff combined, unchecked, will lead you down a path to where you start taking things to make you sleep. And here's uh, a big piece of this puzzle. People look at folks like Anna Nicole Smith, Lee Thompson Young, uh, and I'm going to talk about Lee Thompson Young because I know I, I really want to use uh, some. I found some very interesting stuff about him when I was doing my research. But these people, a couple of them, did not intend to commit suicide. Like I do, I do not believe that Anna Nicole Smith intentionally or Whitney Houston intentionally wanted to die. But see, part of being depressed is you want to withdraw and you want to sleep all the time. So when you start finding yourself saying, I just don't feel like doing anything, and you want to take Ambien, and you want to take some of these, uh, some of this melatonin and this stuff to make yourself sleep, or you start having guns laying around your house, and, you do, and you're looking at a gun, or you're, or you're looking at something, and you're thinking, you know what, uh, I ought to just shoot myself. Th- these people, that are really getting close to that line of depression that can result in something tragic like what happened with Lee's life is because they have now lost energy. And all of us are beings of light. All of us have a resonance. That's why you have to be careful what you allow to influence you. Now, here's another thing. The biggest sign is a loss of interest in doing things that you usually would enjoy doing. And when you see that take place, that is another big warning sign where if you like going bowling and all of a sudden you don't want to go bowling, you like going to bingo, you like going to go work out and you don't want to do it, Or here's, and pay attention to this, when you eat less or you overeat or you sleep less or, or I mean, become sleepless or you start oversleeping, are you? Here's the, another huge warning sign. When you start isolating yourself and hiding your symptoms from other people, that's when you know that something's going on. Now, I want to talk about Lee for a second because I think that um, 
this breaks my heart. I mean, this really breaks my heart about this kid. Uh, the recent suicide of actor Lee uh, Thompson Young, and he's no relation to me, uh, it was a star of shows like the Disney Channel's famous Jet, Zacks, uh, Jet Jackson, uh, Rizzolian Owls, and Scrubs. And, you know, when when this happened, this guy just left everyone dumbfounded because here's a guy that has a great career, a handsome young man, and you wonder, okay, well, bro, you're on national TV. You had it all. He was close to his mother. He was close to his family. And you have to ask yourself, why in the hell didn't somebody see what was wrong? Well, I'm going to tell you why you didn't see it, because he hid it. I'm going to tell you another reason why you didn't see it, because sometimes we just think folks are just that way, whatever that way is. We think that they have attitude issues, that they uh, – some people have been said to be involved with religions where they're trying to seek meaning to their existence, and now you have this cognitive dissonance where your religious beliefs, and a lot of you do not write me letters because I'm not going to do nothing but delete them, but a lot of you right now are going to some church where if you're a woman, they're saying you can't wear pants. If you're gay, they're saying that God doesn't love you. You may not like what you're doing, straight or gay, but the bottom line is, Anytime you start needing someone else to authenticate who you are and you give them the power to do it, that's another way that you can end up going into a needless depression. Well, I'm going to get off my soapbox because I have some um, fantastic guests. I want, if you haven't gotten a pen and a piece of paper or your iPad or got your phone where you can put it in note-taking mode, go get it right now. I've got a couple of people that are going to be on the show this evening. We're getting ready uh, to uh, go to break in about 60 seconds. So while you get your pen, you get your paper, get prepared to write down some information because tonight this program very well might not only just save your life, it may save the life of someone you love. I'm going to give out our phone number again because we are going to definitely take calls. And if this show has to go over five or ten minutes or I understand that we've got a lot of people and and the uh, backlogs uh, that want to get on and ask questions and make comments, and I'm going to ask that you be very patient with us. I'm going to make an attempt this evening to take as many of your calls as we possibly can. I'm going to give out our phone number real quick. It's 646-478-5610. That's 646-478-5610. When you call, make sure that you press 1. If you just want to listen in, do not press 1 because you're going to be blocking someone that needs to get in on, uh, get in on this uh, program this evening because tonight's show is about saving lives. So with all of that said, you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and we'll be right back in about 60 seconds.
Hello, America. This is Dr. Diavon Young, and you're listening to Conversations with Dr. Diavon Young. Uh, we're going to jump straight into our program this evening. We're talking about a subject that most people avoid talking about until it's too damn late. And hopefully tonight we will not only impact your life because depression is nothing to play with. It's uh, it's a silent killer. It can take you out when you least expect it. And here's the worst part about depression. Many of you that are listening to this program, you don't even know you're depressed because you just figure that's just the way life goes and what the hell, I'll just deal with it. Or you are right now in the midst of someone that you love more than probably life itself, and you're not even aware of the fact that they are on the inside feeling shredded and hurt. And the reason that you're dismissing them is because you're a teenager. You're dismissing them because how can an 8-year-old be depressed? How can a 6-year-old be depressed? How can this person that's your friend, your lover, your coworker, uh, even someone that you don't really give that much of a hoot about, but God puts you in your life to make a, in your life so you can make a difference in theirs. How can this person have this new car and this new house? How can they look the way they look and have on some new shoes, some new drawers, and a new T-shirt and be depressed? Well, tonight we're going to get to the bottom of that. Uh, and with all of that said, Julia. Uh, thank you for working out this technical stuff, and because, ladies and gentlemen, if it wasn't for her, we would have really been upset. So, Julia, uh, pull off a miracle this evening. Julia, who is our first guest this evening? We are very fortunate to have Craig Merriweather joining us. Um, Craig fought a nearly lifelong battle with depression, but the important thing that is that he won that battle. So he shared his testimony by creating the best-selling programs, Depression 180 and Mind Mastery Blueprint. And Craig's also a featured author in the New York Times best-selling book, Pearls of Wisdom, 30 Inspirational Ideas to Live Your Best Life Now. So Craig now teaches others how to eliminate depression and create deep happiness and success. So we're very happy to welcome Craig to the show first. Hi, Craig. How are you doing tonight, dude? Uh, doing well. Uh, thank you, Dr. Yun, for, for putting on this show because it's such a hugely important topic, and I, I appreciate you taking your time to, to send this message out to everybody. Uh, one thing I want to thank you for is that I am a – my, my doctorate is as a holistic life coach, and I'm definitely uh, – I, I went to a traditional school and a non-traditional school, and I'm trained – uh, with a very, very acute background in every aspect of psychology, from developmental psychology to physiological psychology to cognitive behavioral psych and what have you. I want to just go straight in on this. Um, psychology is a profession. It's filled with a lot of people, like myself, that wanted to fix themselves and everyone around them. As a result, we and psychiatrists, so I'm not going to leave you psychiatrists out of this conversation because there are a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists out there and life coaches that are doing some wonderful work, but there are also a lot of people out there that, that want to throw medicines at people that uh, will control the dopamine, increase the serotonin, and what have you. And you went totally opposite of this. And the reason why I was excited, Craig, about having you on the show is that most Americans cannot afford insurance. Most Americans cannot afford adequate health care. And I don't know if you could or could not afford it, 
But what was your experience? And tell me first, what? How did you know you were even depressed? So people can identify with that. Um, I realized I had a problem when I woke up one morning, um, and I I felt like I wanted to kill myself. That was that was the plan, and that I woke up with in my head. I don't know if you were gone to bed and and you're kind of thinking about it issue or something at work and you wake up the next morning and say, oh, this is what I need to do. Well, that's what happened to me and and that was the rock bottom place that I had hit and this was a few years ago and uh, as I went about my week, I realized I was thinking it was a good idea because it was just a, a simple, easy way to release myself from this emotional pain, this this uh, mental pain, the spiritual pain that I that I was feeling, that I've been feeling for a really long time, and the the insidiousness of, of depression is that it feels normal. It's like you forget what it's like to be happy, or maybe you have these little fleeting moments of happiness, or or, or having a good time, but you you end up going back to that that state, that emotional set point of, of despair and that hopelessness and nothing's ever going to get better and my body hurts and whatever whatever's going on in your life. And, and I got to that point and I just realized I'd rather stop the hurting than just continue on like this. And and um, I realized I really couldn't do that to my family. I couldn't do that to my son. I wasn't going to set him up like that, wondering for the rest of his life if my suicide was his fault, if he had something to do with it, if he was to blame. So you know, your, your options are few. You can, you can, you know, stay where you are, which I didn't like. You could take yourself out, which was not an option at all. So the only other option is to, to get out of depression. And Let me ask the, the question, Craig. Sure. I may be interrupt you. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I've got to ask you this question. Uh, I know when I went through some depression, it was because mother died, everything was taken, but I noticed that it, it wasn't just there. It started long before this one event turned into a fulcrum or a pivot point for me. So if, without, if, if you don't mind sharing this, could you tell me what was going on in your life? Because there's somebody out there that probably is going through something similar or something in the same ballpark. So exactly what was happening with with Craig that made him feel like, okay, man, you know, this is the option. What, what was wrong? Um, we, we'd have to go way back to when I was a teenager, about 14. Uh, a lot of unhappiness in my home, uh, some alcoholism in my home. Um, an incident where uh, my, my mother picked me up uh, drunk uh, to take me home from school. And we got into a, a wreck on the way home, and it just started this spiral of when you're when you're a young man, you're 14, you're 13, you're 15, younger, even older. You, you start looking at the situation. Well, I was involved in this situation. Be my my mother, my father, whatever the situation is, but I was involved. It somehow must be my fault, because if I was a lovable person, if I was worthwhile if I was deserving of love, this would not have happened. And you start playing that mind game. You start you start going over it and over it and over it in your mind. Well, I, I can't be good enough. Uh, I can't do anything right. And just like 
learning how to walk, just like learning how to ride a bicycle, learning how to play the piano. What you practice over and over, you get better at. What, what you practice, what you rehearse on a daily basis will, will wire those neurons, those brain cells, to become faster and, and stronger so it becomes an automatic habit. Brushing your teeth is a habit now. Driving your car is a habit now. Walking down the street is a habit you don't have to think about. So now these thoughts are in, in your head. You know, maybe it comes from a traumatic episode. Maybe it comes from modeling behavior in your home. Your parents repeat this or people at school, what have you. And you you start doing things to reciprocate. You start maybe eating food that isn't the healthiest choices. And you start, uh, maybe you don't exercise anymore. You just want to hide and you don't want to do anything. And all of a sudden, you just start making this spiral. Maybe you start drinking. Maybe you start using drugs to kind of hide the pain. And all of a sudden, you have a full-blown perfect storm of a situation that might lead to one morning waking up and thinking, maybe taking myself out is, is the best choice. I don't know if that's what happened um, with uh, Lee Thomas Young. I don't know if that's what happened with, with the director, Tony Scott, director of Top Gun, who, who committed suicide about a year ago, or Kurt Cobain from Nirvana, or Marilyn Monroe, or anybody. From what you were saying before, you, you look at these people and think, oh, they're on top of the world. They have everything they wanted. You see this in business or, or anything. So you see it's like, how could they, they have a loving relationship, they have a family, and all of a sudden something tragic like this happens. And it's because there is this stigma around depression that we, we don't want to talk about. And that's why it's so great you're doing this show. It's like we don't want to mention it. We want to ignore it. Just get over it. Get better. There's something about having cancer or heart disease or diabetes where you get sympathy, you get love, you get support. You tell somebody you're depressed and, and see them kind of look away and, and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I've been depressed. And, you know, they don't want to talk about it. Because it's, it's, wow. it's a stigma of being an a issue that that there's something icky about you. I, I, I don't know what it is. And, well, Chris, and, I want to go yeah. here. I want to go here because you, you've said a great deal, and I don't want people to sweep it. The first thing that I want you to listen to, America, and what Craig has stated, is there was someone else that spawned this. In other words, none of us are born depressed. None of us. And what happens is sometimes a woman can have postpartum issues, which, you know, that's hormonal. But the other times is we just got stupid-ass people around us, and we've got adults around us that are saying and doing things, and they don't realize something, that here's this little kid, here's this 4-year-old, here's this 5-year-old, here's this 3-year-old, and you're sitting up there with your house, animal house shoes on, you just left the grocery store with your house coat, and you're sitting there smoking a joint, and you're thinking that it's not affecting this kid, or you're, or you, you don't do any of that. Matter of fact, you have on a Brooks Brothers suit, you shop at Neiman's and Nordstrom's, and you have a Mercedes in your driveway, but all you do is complain and fuss. No one does anything good enough. And the reason you're so damn hard on everyone else is because you're so damn hard on yourself. So now you transfer your anxiety and your stress to a kid. And, and some of you, you say, well, you know what? I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't curse. 
but you are a asshole. You are a jerk. You you don't have the time to stop and think about, you know what, my apathetic presentation, my lack of telling someone thank you, of not saying I love you, or the greater part, not taking responsibility for your own actions, you end up having the seeds well sown in someone else's life that's going to be end up being a harvest of crap you put in them. So what I'm saying to you is, is as what Craig just said is that, you know what, I didn't put this stuff in me, but it's up to me to get it out. Now, Craig, before I go to I'm going to go to break in about maybe four minutes, but before I go to break, I want to ask you something. You, you realized that you were being suffocated and you've been suffocated mentally, emotionally, even cognitively to the point that you figured, I'm going to take myself out. Now, I remember when I had these feelings. My thing was I had been cheated on by a chick, uh, you know, daddy dead, everything in Belzo, mother's dead, all, you know, just a, a hell of a nightmare. And what happened with me is I wasn't depressed. I was angry at everybody. And I figured, you know what, I'm going to show you. And by showing you, for me, that meant when one of you has to live with the fact that I killed myself over your BS. So would you say, Craig, that people don't necessarily have to just be uh, poor, me depressed? That is there a chance, Craig, that these people can also be angry? Oh, and, and depression shows up as, as anger and irritability uh, in a lot of people, especially men. Um, there's this statistic that, that says women are, are twice as depressed as men. But what seems to be the case is while women uh, are more prone to maybe cry and discuss their feelings, men, uh, we stuff it. We ignore it because we need to be in control. And obviously being depressed and sad and hopeless, there's no control there. And so we act out in anger and rage. You see it in little kids too. Uh, they're acting out in in aggressive ways and with irritability and, and anger. And especially if you, you get towards middle age, a lot of that's coming out. And, you know, in, instead of talking to a friend, we're going to get into a bar fight maybe or, you know, cheat on a rise, do, do something that, that's a little more aggressive to, you know, compensate maybe, I don't know, maybe to, to, to hide our feelings, to make us feel more uh, like a man. But, you know, if you wrap your head around the fact that this depression is not you, it's just something that's happening with inside your body as some sort of physical, emotional reaction to grief or a traumatic episode or maybe some sort of physical ailment. Hey, low testosterone can cause depression, especially as us men are getting into our, our 40s and 50s. Uh, food allergies can cause depression. Um, hypothyroidism looks like depression. If you have a low thyroid, that could be uh, lo- that could be shown as as depression. You know, low vitamin D. If you're not getting enough sunlight, or you're you're having the the seasonal affective disorder because it's it's winter time. You're wearing long sleeves. You're not out. And you're not getting that that sunlight to get that vitamin D. That could look like depression. And so, it's more of this warning sign that something is wrong. Just like the body. The mind is trying to get the body's attention through physical pain. You know, get your hand off that stove or you just stepped on a nail, so you're going to want to take care of that situation. 
Depression is the same thing. It's a check engine light on your car. It's a warning that something's wrong. You need to, to look into this and fix it. Unfortunately, like the check engine light, it doesn't tell you what the problem is. And things, doing things like drinking too much or taking the antidepressants, it, it, all it's doing is putting a piece of duct tape over that check engine light. And if you okay. can understand that, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, what I, I love where you're going with this. What I want to do is give out this phone number. We're going to take a quick break. And what, when we come back, Craig, what I want to talk about is some of the things that are signs, and, and I understand, uh, Jude, we have another guest, a young actor uh, by incident, uh, that I want him to come in and, and just kind of describe some of the things that he's going through because what I really don't want us to miss the boat on is that there are so many young people. And when I say young people, um, I mean guys and young teenage girls that are 13 and under 30 years old that are um, in a horrible place, a place where they don't want to talk to anybody. They they are not going to communicate. As a matter of fact, you just see them as being indifferent or being stubborn in their own little world. So what I want to do is, like, have this young man come on. I'll have Julia introduce him after we get back, and uh, we're, we're going to really dig a little deeper with this. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. If you want to give us a call and you have comments or need help yourself, if you really need it, hang up and call 911. But if you just want to uh, get some inquiry and get some good answers, you can call us at 646-478-5610, 646-478-5610. We'll be right back in about 60 seconds. to the show today. 
Hey, Sean, how you doing tonight, bro? I'm good. Thank you, and uh, thank you for the opportunity of uh, talking about this issue because I think that it's very, very important, and it's something that, you know, I feel like that hasn't always kind of been talked about, especially when it comes to males and what we kind of go through as individuals because we're, you know, sometimes we're not, we're taught to be strong and not to really show our emotions and that, you know, we can get over anything, so... Sean, the first thing I want people to be able to do is Google you and put a face and, and to make this thing human, basically, is what I'm saying. So tell, spell your first and last name for me and give me this last film that you're in, and i got a few questions for you. Okay. Um, well, my first name is Sean, S-H-U-N, and then last name Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N. And you can go to www.imdb.me slash Sean Lauren. Okay. Sean, let me say, and, and I want to thank you for being willing to not play the macho role and be a human being for us tonight because so many young men, they're walking around mean, mugging, trying to act tough. And a lot of these guys, man, really, that we think are homicidal, What's happening is they're depressed and angry, and then for other young men, they don't have anyone to talk to. So tell me your story, and how has uh, depression affected your life? Well, you know, I started, um, you know, I, I grew up as a very, it had to grow up very fast as a young, you know, as a, as a child, me and my sister did. But though I was raised um, by my grandmother, I left, I left Dallas and went to live in Michigan. I was raised with my grandmother. But, you know, because of my parents' situations, because of their own struggles, um, you know, seeing my mother at six years old and her struggle with drugs and my father uh, being, um, you know, in prison, uh, when I was going to prison when I was eight years old, incarcerated, um, that had a lot to do with a lot of the issues that I started going through. Um, I started going through a depression at eight years old. And so it would be consistently where I would wake up every morning and crying. And my grandmother would, you know, be like, you know, she just didn't know what to do. So thank God for my grandmother that she decided to call um, the school that I attended. And, you know, they had counselors there. So there would be a counselor, Mr. Milko, who would come and get me every morning, I mean, every, you know, sometime in between class and and really just, you know, start talking to me. And this took over a course of three years. I didn't just come out of the depression. It took three years. And the best way for me to describe it is to describe the depression as, I, I like to say, even when I was younger, I would like to say it's like a it's like being in a black hole and there's no light in there and you're trying to get out of it, but you can't see your way out of it. And but slowly but surely, when I started being able to release a lot of the things that I had been seeing growing up and had been going through, and I was able to talk to a person who wasn't there to judge me or to make me feel guilty about what I was feeling or what I had saw my parents going through, then that's what kind of started lifting off this feeling as a child where you feel like the world is on top of you, like you have to carry the weight of the world. So that's what the depression was, is feeling like I have to carry my mother's pain, I got to carry my father's pain, 
And then little old me, I'm only eight years old. And then I got to also carry the issues that I'm going with, with being in school and all of the things that kind of come with growing up. So that's that's where a lot of the depression started. And and mainly, too, the big, the big thing I would say is abandonment. You know, God, why is it that my parents can't take care of me? Why do I have to move here to live with my grandmother? I mean, all of those different kinds of things. So that's I think that's where, you know, it had really kind of started, you know, at that time. Let me ask a question, Sean. Um, and, and I'm asking this not to resurrect turmoil or drama, so you don't have to answer this question. I'm going to tell you right up front, you can just say, hey, Dr. B, I, don't, I, I really don't want to go there. But if you are able to, I want, and the reason I'm going to ask you this is there is some idiot right now that is, has a child, six, seven, eight years old, and they are sitting there with this child acting a certain way. And they just figure the child is bad. They just figure the child is quiet. They just figure the child is acting out. So would you describe some of your behaviors and things that parents and grandparents or caregivers or adoptive or foster parents could look for that would say, okay, this is a sign that this kid has some issues going on. So describe some of your behaviors and and how they present it. Well, I mean, I'm comfortable with talking about that because, you know, it's it's very important. Um, I mean, from what I remember is especially, you know, I would, would do a lot of lying, you know, telling a lot of fibs. And I would always, and I would know that it wasn't the truth, but I would constantly lie about it. And then there would be instances of, you know, like I said, the waking up crying every morning consistently. I mean, this was some... Some crying. I'm not talking about the little tears, like literally crying every morning. It was a lot of that and anger. But I expressed the anger in a in a certain through the crying. That's what really I kind of expressed it, expressed it. And those were the two biggest things for me was the lying and you know then kind of and then finally getting being able to because it wasn't until I started going to counseling that then I would recognize. You know, even at such a young age, I would go back and, you know, be able to tell my grandmother, well, this, I wasn't telling the truth about this. This is what really happened, or this is how I really felt. But that was only until the counseling. But those were the two biggest things for me was the crying and then the lying. There was a a lot of that, you know, as a child, because, like I said, I was eight years old. So it started very early. Um, Was there any activity at school? Like, did was there ever notes coming home from teachers saying yes, you were disruptive in the class or you weren't participating or you picked up a ruler and slapped the crap out of another kid, any of that kind of stuff? It was never any violence towards, well, you know, I take that back. Yes, it was, now that I'm thinking about it. But mainly what it was is I would do a lot of sleeping in class. I remember in third grade, because, and it's funny that you're saying that because I really just remembered all of this. In third grade, I would do a lot of sleeping, and I would be staying up half the night and, and not resting. And then um, I think on one of my classmates at one time, she had she hit me or something, and, and what I did was I decided to take a pencil and stick her in the back with it because I was so angry. I was angry with her, and I'm thinking, how dare you put your hands on me? I mean, it was all of these acts and just kind of coming, you know, coming to a head and kind of dealing with those things. 
So yes, it was some some of those things that kind of went on, you know, as I when I was young and and dealing with those issues. Okay, quick. As you listen to Sean, what is it that you're hearing? And we're not going to take our last break. I want to just continue this thing out. Uh, Craig, what is it you're hearing and his expression that's resonating with you? It just comes back to that that feeling that maybe there's, you know, something wrong with you, that, that you're at, at fault somehow, and and it's not. It's it's not your fault. Somebody, there's this photo or, or meme that's going around Facebook that I see, and it was... Uh, it says, before you decide that you're depressed, make sure you're not surrounded by a bunch of assholes. And it makes me laugh, but it's like, well, that's really true, because make sure that there's not people around you that are, are causing some sort of triggers in your life, especially when you're eight years old, you're, you're five years old, you're 14, and you're a, a young man, a, a, a young woman, and you're impressionable, and these are the people who are supposed to be taking care of you, loving you. And and you have some sort of trauma that can really affect your self-image of yourself because obviously there must be something wrong with you, you're thinking. But it's not your fault. However, it is your responsibility to do something to get better. And you can't just sweep it under the rug. You just can't mask it with alcohol or or drugs or antidepressants or something. That doesn't fix the problem. The issues are there and they need to be dealt with. Otherwise, you might take drastic actions that are seriously... Seriously stupid and foolish. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this to the listening audience, and I want both of you first, uh, Craig, for you to step in. Then Sean, I'm gonna throw a question that you follow in Craig. The first thing that I'm gonna tell you, America, is that you do not say to someone that is depressed, "Snap out of it." You don't tell them, "Cheer up." You don't tell the little boy, "Man up, boys, don't cry," and then you don't just dis discredit your daughter by just saying she's being hormonal or emotional. That is not only stupid, it is ignorant. And what you are doing is, and you may not realize it, but you are incrementally sealing the fate of somebody that you may end up regretting your actions because they may just take themselves out. Or even worse than suicide is dying a little bit every day. That is, uh, especially to a high school kid or to a middle school kid, because what you're doing is you're setting them up to start self-medicating. And believe me, there are as many 8th grade and 10th grade crackheads as there are adult crackheads. There are as many 8th and 10th and 12th grade kids that are waking up smoking a block and going to bed smoking a blunt, and some of you are out there even letting your kids get high with you, and and you may not have rolled a joint and put it in their hand, but you got that smoke in the house, and they're smelling it from the time they get up to the time they go to bed. You're sitting there at that damn box of wine, and you don't know they're hitting the spigot when you're not looking, and some of you are actually even stupid enough to let a teenage child or a child that's 13 drink. Well, I want to ask you, is getting away from just pointing at the problem. What are some of the things that people can do, Craig, to combat this disease of depression? Yeah, well, definitely you have to start taking some action steps some way or another. The best way is to actually go out and move your body. 
there's over a hundred studies that show that exercise can reduce the symptoms of depression. And I, I know exercise is a dirty word to some people, and I don't mean you have to go to the gym and start pumping weights or anything, but you have to find some way to move your body. That's, that's going dancing, if that's taking an exercise class with some friends, um, if that's riding your bike, if that's taking a walk at lunchtime, find some way to move your bike, taking a yoga class, anything. And especially it would be great if you could do it with friends because sometimes you'll show up for a friend when you won't show up for yourself. Uh, there's um, 70% of people with depression respond to an exercise program. So find some way to move your body. Our bodies are meant to move, and now we just sit in our cars so we can sit at work so we can come home and sit on the couch. Find a way to move your bodies. Food is another one. Here's, you know, this is a whole hour-long uh, uh, show you could do just on nutrition and food. It's like you got to start reading the, the ingredients on what, what, you're, what you're putting in your body. There's um, that uh, sweetener, aspartame. The number one complaint that the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, gets about aspartame is that it causes depression. And that's in a ton of stuff. And there's other stuff that I don't even understand what it is in the food. So if, if you need to clean up your, your diet, you need to get rid of the, the soft drinks, you need to get, stop uh, uh, drinking all the coffee. You know, if you're drinking coffee to get yourself going in the morning or, or to pick, you, pick yourself up in the afternoon, there's, there's some sleep issues you need to deal with. There's some um, energy issues you're going to be dealing with. You know, enjoy a cup of coffee if you like coffee, but if you need a cup of coffee, some issues you need to be dealing with. And we can go through supplements. Uh, uh, a lot of people may be dealing with uh, the vitamin D issue. There's uh, one study that suggested 75% of at least Americans are vitamin D deficient. That's because we're not spending all any time on the sun. And when we do spend time with the sun, we, we slather ourselves with, with sunscreen. We're wearing sunglasses, big hats. In the wintertime, of course, we're wearing long sleeves and, and long pants, so we're not getting that sunlight. And it's so it's so simple to remedy, whether it's, it's taking a, a vitamin D supplement and pill or, or a liquid, you get a little dropper. You can also get a light therapy box. This was huge for me. My wife found that at a, at a local, local drugstore and um, brought it home, and I refused to use it because it's called the happy light. And I thought that was pretty ridiculous for such a serious thing I was going through until I was so 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 depressed and so sad and so tired of it all that I pulled it out of the box, plugged it in, clicked it on, and it I, within an hour I felt like I had drunk three cups of coffee. I had so much energy. I, had, I felt so good because it was filling me up with that vitamin D, which was creating the serotonin, making it feel better. Now, that might not have actually solved the issues I was dealing with, with the traumatic episodes and the negative thinking habits, but it got me to a point where I could start looking at them and getting out of bed, things like that. So light therapy, it's a full-spectrum bulb. Our incandescent bulbs, our fluorescent bulbs don't have the full spectrum, the rainbow. When the light hits a prism, then you get the rainbow. These are full-spectrum bulbs. You sit in front of it, wonderful stuff. Things like supplements you can find at a health food store, like 5-HTP, stands for 5-hydroxytryptophan. And this is a thing that's created naturally in the body, but only if you get enough tryptophan from your diet, which is that thing in Turkey that supposedly makes you sleepy at Thanksgiving here in America anyway. And if you're not making enough tryptophan or getting enough tryptophan, you can't make 5-HT, which can't make 
serotonin and lots of studies again showing that 5-HTP can lower, reduce, even eliminate depression in some people. That worked for me. There's other people I know it didn't work for. Uh, another supplement, SAM-E. It's a capital S, capital A, capital M, little e. And this was actually on the cover of Newsweek, this little pill. And um, this did not work for me, but I know a lot of people it does work for. Again, creating those feelings of, of that brain chemistry of, of well, well-being and, and happiness. Um, other things like... Uh, you know, working with a coach, you know, working with a therapist, you, you know, because whether you're eight years old, whether you're 14 years old, whether it happened last week, your, your, your wife or husband leaves you or you lose your job or something, these are traumatic episodes in our lives. And to bury them, to ignore them, does not move those emotions, that, that energy, so to speak, through your body. You need to discuss it with somebody. A friend would be great. If you don't feel you can discuss it with a friend, find a coach. There's not one successful person on this planet, whether you're a CEO, whether you're sports, whether you won the Super Bowl, whether you won uh, the World Series, whether uh, you're a musician, no one person in the world that hasn't had a coach to help them make it to the top. And if life that we're living, this life that we're living is really a mental game, and, and by that I mean, you know, our thoughts help create, propel our success. Because if you're sitting there saying, I'm no good, I can't do this, what are your chances of succeeding? So if life is a mental game, why wouldn't you get coaching to help you with that mental game? Just like, you know, a baseball player has a running coach, a hitting coach, a throwing coach, uh, uh, the great opera singer Pavarotti, even when he was hugely successful, would go to a vocal coach every year just to help him get a tune-up to, to as, his, as his body aged, his voice would, would change. So they go to a vocal coach to keep him, keep him going. And just like we said kind of a handful of times throughout the show, you've got to look at who you're hanging around. And you've got to build a team around you of supportive, helpful, nurturing people. And if you're around people who kind of drag you down and are kind of bickering and and whining and complaining and the government's this and the, you know, banks are doing that and nothing ever goes right and traffic was horrible. You know, emotions are contagious. You feel it with that person who comes into the party and lifts everybody up. They're the life of the party and you just want to be with that person. You feel when that person comes into the meeting at work and just drags everything down. Emotions are contagious. They showed this in this uh, famous Framingham Heart Study that's been going on for about 40 years now. And they showed that People who are depressed hang around people who are depressed. Why? Because hanging around with happy people makes you feel uncomfortable. You know, you don't want to be hanging around with somebody when you're feeling despondent, when you're feeling hopeless. You don't want to hear somebody singing zippity doo dah, you know, and feeling great and having a wonderful time. You want to hang around with people who are at your level emotionally and your level uh, spiritually. And you've got to make the time and make the effort to find people who can support you and bring you out and, and help you and listen to you and you listen to them and create those relationships where you can move through this stuff. And, you know, you put all, all of that together, the exercise and the supplements and the vitamin D and, and, and uh, working with a coach and finding a good set of supportive friends and, man, you are going to be lifted, lifted and, and finding a life that you didn't know existed didn't know could exist, and, and you'll yeah. find that happiness. 
That's good stuff. Now, Sean, let me ask you, what did you find after you got past being a, a, a kid and you, and you make it, you become an actor and become a very successful actor, and now you're in a feature film, what are you doing that is keeping you focused, Sean? Well, I mean, you know, I would first say a lot of uh, praying. Uh, my faith is very, very big. It's very, very important. But, you know, one thing I have to say, too, is I just had a, an excellent grandmother who invested all of her time into my well-being. You know, even even after, you know, going through a depression, I stayed in counseling from all the way from eight years old through the end of high school. And then when I came to um, Dallas and uh, attended college at University of North Texas, because I had that, that upbringing and, and, and my faith and, and also knowing how to go to a counselor, because I know myself very well. That's one thing I'm very, very, you know, blessed to have is that I know who I am as an individual. I know when something's not going right with me or I'm feeling a certain way. So, you know, even with that, I'm a product of counseling. You know, I, I, don't, I don't not go into counseling at all because I, I feel like that was one of the biggest things that really kind of helped me, you know, into, in helping with my insecurities and all of these things that we call life that we all go through as individuals. So those are, you know, really my faith and just the support around me that I have because just like um, – the doctor was just saying that he was. It's about having a team around you and having the people. You do need a support team, and and that's all I have in my company. And I really try to make sure I stay around people who are positive and that are uplifting and not trying to purposely tear me down, and and also so I can be uplifting to other people. But um, making sure that you know, just going to counseling and, and being involved in social awareness such as things like this, those are the things that give me hope that keep me going. Um, I don't think, you know, with all of the things that I really could sit and we can talk about and discuss and pull from, you know, one would say, well, how? And, and I only say, you know, by the grace of God, because with Lee Thompson Young, you know, he's only a few years older than me. And me and his story coincide so much towards each other, and I didn't know how much we were really, truly connected. And, you know, and I grew up in Port Huron, Michigan, where he was filming the show right there in Toronto, Canada, which was, like, right across the bridge from where I live. So I remember growing up and, and looking at him and looking at him as an example and really following his career and him going to college. I went to college. He graduated from college. And... I graduate with my master's next year. So it's all those different things, and you, and you look at a person and we say, well, how is it that this could happen? And people, you know, and I've gotten the same thing. How is it that I would have never known that you've gone through those things or I would have never known that, you know, because I looked at his life and I said, wow, it was just by the grace of God because that could have been me, that I could have been exactly who he was. I could have been exactly have made those same decisions, but you know, it, it bothers me and it makes me sad that to think that there were just so for some people they are just so sensitive, and and I'm a very sensitive person, but it, it, I don't I just I don't understand. It still 
even though I've been through depression and, and, you know, and I still go through my hard times, but I think, thank God that I, that you know, with counseling and, and just my faith and our good support system around me, that it has helped me deal, have the tools to use when I start feeling a certain way or, you know, I start going through certain things that I just have the tools. And that's what counseling is for. People get the misconception that counseling is, you know, uh, people tell you what to do. It's not really about that. It's really finding who you are as an individual and being able to have the tools. The counselor gives you tools to deal with because sometimes things never really go away. You can't erase the past. You can't erase the things that have happened. You just learn how to deal with them. But I think even with saying that, it's just, you know, it has been forgiveness. I have to forgive my parents for their issues. They're human beings. They're not Superman and not Superwoman. I have to forgive them for their mistakes. So in order for me to forgive myself for my mistakes, because I think those were really the issues that's truly, you know, at heart that was really kind of going on there and being angry. But the biggest thing, the simplest thing we think is, you know, is so simple, it's really, truly the biggest thing. And the biggest thing for me was I had to learn how to forgive and, and to forgive myself because I didn't do anything. But, you know, when you're going through depression, you put it like, well, I did this, and it's shame and a whole bunch of guilt and carrying the weight of the world. But, you know, the, the most important thing is um, just just making sure that, you know, you have a strong foundation and, and and taking precautions and really going to someone. If you don't feel like you can go to counseling, then at least have someone you feel like you can talk to and, and not be judged. And one more thing I want to say is I think people look at so much of the exterior. They Like you said, they look at the car, they look at people being so educated, and they look at they have the looks and they have all these things, and people get so caught up in the name and people's name being in life. What people fail to understand is you're still human. You're still a human being. You're at the end of the day. That's just my job. You know, me having a successful career as an actor. Well, that's great because that because that really was another thing that got me through a lot of my issues was being able to use my craft in acting and music and singing, all those things that having that support. My grandmother investing her time into that really kind of helped so much with my depression, doing something I love to do and and, and not being judged. So I think that those were the most important things. Okay. One thing I want to do, because I know we're running, uh, we're getting close to time, and I want to take a few minutes at the end of the show to give some people some checkpoints so they can have help. Before I let either of you guys go, the first thing I would like to do is thank both of you for being on the program this evening. And uh, if you would be so kind uh, as to let people know how to find you and reach out to you, and I'm going to start with Craig Merriweather. Craig, what's the website, what's the name of the book, and how can people reach you? Uh, Best way is just go to depression180.com, and that's the numbers 180 depression180.com, and there's lots of information, free stuff on the website. Find out uh, uh, more about me and and my story and and, um, get to my YouTube channel from there, which has tons of free information about uh, ways of of dealing with depression. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. What about you, Sean? 
Uh, name of the movie again and what's going you doing any plays, any stuff uh, on tour? What's happening with you and how can people find you? Um, well, the name of the film is called The Better Life, directed by Shonda Harris, and it comes out January 2014. Um, and then I'm getting ready to start um, starring a series called A Fallen Star that they start shooting um, next month, mid-next month, mid-October, which doesn't come out till spring of 2014. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at Sean Lauren. Just type in Sean Lauren, and I always respond and and you know to all the fans or people who want to know more about my career or even just personal issues. So that's how you can reach me is through Facebook, and and that's a great way to contact me. Well, hey fellas, I appreciate having you on the show tonight, and thank you, America. Here's where I want to go with this before we get out of here. There are some things that you can do to treat depression. And the first thing that I'm going to tell you is don't use drugs, don't use alcohol to do it, don't use food to do it, because all of these things are just going to make matters worse. If you use food, you're going to sit there and get bigger and end up busting you, having your shoes get flat at the bottom and not being able to move around. If you use liquor or if you smoke pot or whatever it is you're going to do, you end up getting your butt arrested, and now you're giving the court system money that you could have spent on yourself. So watch that kind of stuff and allow yourself to get out. Uh, one thing that Craig said was exercise, and that is a real deal. It, in, it releases endorphins. It, um, it lowers cortisol levels. So that is the first thing. Another thing is this. Monitor your changes in your thinking. If you find yourself always being pessimistic, always criticizing other people, you always have to, you know, everything is perfect, but your behind always has something negative to point out or something that you want to suggest someone fixes. Really what that is is that's your issue and your self-esteem. So by you point out someone else's flaws, guess what? You're not dealing with your own. The other thing is engage your social activities. If whatever it is that brings you joy, and I'm saying stuff that makes sense, not hanging out at a damn club all night. But I'm saying things like working in a faith-based outreach, socializing with a few good friends, inviting people over, going and playing cards, or even just going to the movies. That's one thing I love to do. I go to the movies a lot. Um, going for a walk. These things don't cost a lot of money, and it is true. The greatest things in life are free. Going to the park, a national park, the beach, on a hike, and if you spot yourself oversleeping, that is not just your butt's tired unless you're working three or four jobs, then I understand. But if you work one job and you find yourself always tired, you always are sleeping, you may be suffering from sleep apnea, but if that's not the case, that might be something you want to watch. Now, here's something that I can recommend to you, okay? Don't eat foods that have a lot of trans fats in them. That stuff is no good for you. Eat foods that are high in protein. Uh, eat lots of omega-3 fats. Those things do have proven clinical associations that will help you feel a lot better physically and psychologically. And lastly, get away from these haters. If somebody is around you that is constantly, you remember at the beginning of the show, I said if you go to a piano store, and you hit a C major chord, the other pianos are going to resonate. In other words, they're going to vibrate at that same frequency. So don't let someone take you into their mess. If, if you're always finding yourself 
having to give someone else light, when, what happens when you run out of light? Surround yourself with positive people. Sean put it really well. Get some people that are in your corner that really support you. And the other thing that Craig said that I'm really feeling is if you're around negative people, you may want to get a new set of friends. Well, with that said, we're getting ready to wrap this show. Wednesday, we have got some great stuff coming up for you all month long. Uh, make sure you check us out Wednesday at noon and then next Sunday at 730. I apologize for the show starting late tonight. We had nothing to do with that, but we are glad that we got to spend Sunday evening with you. With that said, I love you. There's nothing you can do about it, and you have an awesome week. This is Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and you've been listening to Conversations with D. Yvonne Young. Good night.